Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Joining me today is former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, what's up, dude? How you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Got back from vacation. I'm feeling like I need a vacation from my vacation. I was doing with the kids <laughs> the whole time. But uh, no, nah, I'm looking forward to football, man. It's around the corner. I can hear it. It's it's always crazy to me. And frankly, it like this is it sucks that this is the case. But whenever you get back from a vacation, you go to work the next day or, or the next two days after or whatever. And you're just like, I'm so exhausted from that yes. time away. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's so much the travel, especially if you have to go to the airport. It's just or if you're driving it, seven hours mm-hmm. to Orlando. Yep, with kids in the car. Yes. Don't touch me. Daddy's touching me. You <laughs> know, all yet? of that stuff. Yep, 100%. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel for you. But on the other hand, dude, like your your travel life is insane, which I respect. Uh, so yep. it's funny. I was I was going to open up today's podcast and, and talk and ask you about pizza because that is what my wife and I had for dinner. And then you texted me and was like, you know, I'm going to be uh, just a little bit late hopping on. Can we can we move it back? I ordered some pizza tonight. So I got to I got to know your pizza deal. Like what what's your favorite favorite type of pizza, favorite mm-hmm. brand pizza, Papa John's? Or are you more of like, I want to find a local spot and, you know, and get something good? Yeah, no, it, pizza is one of the um, major food groups for me. I think it's, you know, you got meats, your cheeses and your pizzas. Um, <laughs> I I'm I tend to lean towards Papa John's. Uh, just because I've I've had it for so long, and I think they're like the official pizza. I think they, the NFL for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. Things went south with them, uh, and so <laughs> we'd always have that all the events and the the garlic sauce. The garlic sauce mm-hmm. is just taking over the edge. But the Clutch. little type of garlic sauce on the bread for Domino's, I always ask them to extra that stuff because I don't know what it is, but it just makes the pizza so much better. Um, so yeah, both Papa John's, Domino's, and Pizza Hut's way down there. People who love Pizza Hut like need to get like something checked in their taste buds because i just don't see pizza hut being anywhere close like i bite a uh a piece of i take a bite into pizza hut pizza and my mouth just like oozes like cholesterol and like oil and it's always just like too much for me <laughs> i i will say that old school back in the day the the pizza hut, like classic pan pizza and they recently brought it back uh last year and i, I tried it exact same recipe that was so good. But I generally agree with you. If if it's just a regular Wednesday night pizza run, probably Papa John's because it does come mm. with the free garlic sauce like and and it's just it you can't miss. Like it's pretty just yep. the floor, a really high floor, you know, prospect. So we're in agreement there. Pizza Hut, or Papa John's, excuse me, not Pizza Hut, is is what we had tonight. Uh, and that's usually my go to. So that's enough pizza talk. We're not culinary experts. That's not why you nope. come to this podcast. We're going to be breaking down a Falcons training camp preview. You know, we're, we're just going to be diving into it. We're going to be figuring out kind of what the state of this team is, our opinions, where, where our heads are at going into training camp and more importantly, kind of into the, the 2022 season. So get ready because training camp's right around the corner and you are about to hear a lot of our thoughts on the matter right after this. 
If you're excited about the upcoming NFL season, and let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, that probably means you, our friends at BetOnline, continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info, and it is the place where you can get in on the action with the Atlanta Falcons, or maybe you're a fan of another NFL team, in which case, thanks for listening. But head over to BetOnline to find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, fighting news, and next season's early NFL futures. With training camp right around the corner, BetOnline has now opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, who is going to make it to and win the Super Bowl. I was just over there checking out the site. Before recording this, I would highly recommend Falcons fans to head over there. They've got odds for every level of the finish that the Falcons could have in the division. They have individual game matchups. They have over-under win total matchups. And the Falcons... Not a surprise to a lot of you guys have some great odds out there if you're feeling a little bit daring or maybe a little bit bullish on this team. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. As always, just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Ovi. Let's let's start big picture first, shall we? Have your thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons kind of prospects for 2022 changed at all over the last two, three months since free agency, since the draft and since we really kind of last talked about this topic? No. <laughs> and and why is that? Because I, I agree with you and I think, you know, it's not a shock that that, that is the case. But, you know, what why is that? And then what are your thoughts? I mean, the, the thoughts have, have been really, um, I feel, I, it's, I hate to say this because no player ever sets themselves up to say, we're going to have a, 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 a below average season this year. We're going to have a mediocre <laughs> right. season this year. Yeah. I can't wait to get the season started so we can be mediocre. But everyone knows, everybody knows that this is going to be a mediocre at best season. It could be a, a disaster, which could be good for draft uh, uh, prospects. But again, players are trying to you know get their... Uh, families taken care of and pay their bills and watch have other teams look at them. So they're not going to tank it as much as the fans want to, as much as maybe ownership wants to, the players are going to go straight and tank it. But sometimes the, uh, I guess the infrastructure, the powers that be put a product on the field that they know is uh tankable or, or is, is not going to give you the best result. And even if it's not on purpose, I haven't <laughs> seen anything game changing. Like we didn't go get, you know, uh, the second coming, Michael Strahan. We didn't go grab and Dominican Sue. We didn't, you know, get a, a Tom Brady replacement. We're, we're we're not there on offense or defense, and we've known that, and we've moved some chess pieces around, but it's been a, a step forward, a step back, and I don't think that we're going to compete heavily. Now we could surprise, get to find, find some surprises, which is why it's exciting. But I think everyone knows from top to bottom that this is going to be a rebuilding year. Now, obviously, you did not play for Arthur Smith, but you played for some, uh, yeah, I would venture to say maybe like-minded coaches, Brian Billick, Mike Smith, kind of these tough throwback coaches who, who valued the, the physicality of the game, kind of the way of, of the old school football. How would you as a player, because you guys all understand where it's at. Like you are better equipped than anybody. Certainly, you know, 
jerks like me in the media to evaluate the skills of NFL players. And you know where the roster probably stands relative to the rest of the league. When a coach comes in and is, is like, all right, guys, big season ahead of us. We're going to give it all we got. We expect to be playoff contenders. And you look around and you're like, hell no, <laughs> hell no. Did do, do coaches first oh. off our coach? Is that all for the media? You know, does a coach understand just like you guys where they're at or do they have to kind of be a little ignorant and a little hopeful, even if it's foolish? Or can you guys suss that out a mile away? And you're like, dude, just be straight with us. We know where it's at. We get what the end goal is. We know we're all trying to win, but like so is the other team. And they're frankly just better than we are. Like, how does that go player to coach? Because I think a lot of fans are wondering, why is the why is the team still saying, well, we're going to go out there and we're going to try and go one to know every week. I think I get why they they're going to say that. But I just want to hear from you as a player. Like, how does that resonate in the locker room? We it's difficult to respect a coach who won't treat us like grown, intelligent men or at least semi-intelligent. Like, don't insult our intelligence by saying (laughs) we're going to the Super Bowl this year, guys, and we're going to win every single game. And we got one of the best teams in the NFL. And we look around like (laughs) CBS Sports ranked us as the worst roster in the NFL and no people right. have us picked like dead last and you know the conference and you know and every, all the way around like everyone else sees what's going on now we obviously know a coach has got a coach and so you have to put a positive spin on it and I've been on these teams where the coach has been frank and said people don't expect us to be much this year people don't expect us to uh you know uh win a lot of games but you know to hell people expect yeah, I'm all about and bring up some great, you know, remember the Titans type story from program or, <laughs> you know, uh, a Willie Beeman. Like they'll give us some good stuff to where Die it, for that it inch, takes baby. you back. Yeah. It takes you back to high school. It takes you back to, you know, college, it takes you back to Pee Wee where you're like, you know, I don't give a damn about what we're supposed to do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to show them what we're going to do. And so you, if they spit it in that way to where it's us against the world and everyone loves the underdog story. And players, I, I've seen it in my own eyes. We, I've seen, I've been on teams that were not supposed to beat better teams, yet we did. And I've been on, you know, teams that are much better talent, and we kind of thought it was going to be a cakewalk and got, our, you know, our butts handed to us. So anything can happen. And a coach who is honest with you, but also pushes you, uh, you know, tries to bring out the best of you. That that's what you want to hear, but. These these fake coaches who <laughs> act like you you're something that you're not it, it's it's hard to uh, follow that they, they lose credibility pretty fast when we're getting our heads bashed in and the coach is like I don't know what happened we're the best in the league no we're not coach stop <laughs> it stop it I I think that one of the the key takeaways last season with the result and we were having frankly similar conversations heading into the year kind of how they they didn't have any financial freedom to make some moves. Julio Jones was gone. How are they going to overcome that? Then Calvin Ridley's at like the roster clearly had some attrition uh, over the course of the season that made it worse and negatively impacted it. But Falcons still ended up with seven wins. Uh, You know, I I think it was a really, yeah, it was an impressive job of the coaching staff, I think, and the organization to really ring out every little bit of not, not necessarily talent because I, that, demeans the players a little bit, but like production of the team overall. They got the sum of the individual parts equaled, I think, a little bit more than we might have thought. So maybe they can do that again. But 
They got More seven th- wins with Matt Ryan, though, Willie. Oh, that's what that's I was about to say. They got yeah. seven wins with Matt Ryan. The quarterback <laughs> is the most important player on mm-hmm. both sides of the ball when it comes to winning. And I am just so curious uh, and excited to see what the hell is going to happen with Mariota and Desmond Ritter and if these guys are going to be any good in preseason and, more importantly, when the lights are, are the brightest. So we'll find out because I, I forgot they won seven games. I thought they won like three or four, but they actually <laughs> had a Cordero Patterson and you know some really impressive highlights. And what I mentioned earlier, games they should not have won, they ended up winning and made us feel like, wow, these this new coaching staff, they're not, not, they're not slouches. Like they, they don't have much to work with, but still, they're working it. So that makes me, I think, most, of Falcon, most Falcons fans excited about the competency of the coaching staff. And we just got to give them a little bit better uh, raw material to work with, and uh, mm-hmm. good things can happen. So you brought up the the quarterback position, and, and let's just start right there with our with our preview as we kind of get into the actual uh, the roster itself. Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter. Obviously, they're not Matt Ryan. And and I mentioned the seven wins, and I think your spot on the floor of a team usually, I think, has more to do with the quarterback position than maybe any other person in the building. Just what a good quarterback is going to give you a lev- a baseline of competency unless everything around them falls apart. I think Marcus Mariota is a, a competent quarterback, but I think he has a much lower ceiling than Matt Ryan. And I think his floor is, is lower than Matt Ryan's as well. Although not, not the lowest in the league by any means. I just don't know if he's going to be able to really raise the game of everybody around him, but I think he will give the Falcons offense a little more creativity than maybe Matt had. But what do you think about Marcus Mariota as the starter? And then Desmond Ritter, what are you expecting from him rookie season? When would you like to see him put in the lineup? If at all, obviously it depends a lot on the the scenarios, the results. I threw a lot at you there, but quarterback situation go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've said this before and I'll keep on saying it. Um, Marcus Mariota is a stopgap. We all know that, but mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter if he has the potential to be that Rustin Wilson S type of quarterback that we're all wow. hoping he can be, that we've uh, you know, I think we forced <laughs> the conversation. We wanted to see it so bad. Like, oh, he threw a good pass. That looked like a Russell Wilson pass. Eh, I don't know if it did, but uh fans are trying to lean all the way into that narrative. And I think being that we have nothing to lose, as soon as we can get him in there. Um, I, I don't see why we wouldn't like if if him and Marcus Mariota are neck and neck, if they have uh, an equal preseason, why the hell would you not put Rid- Ritter in there? Because that's the future. That that's the upside. And Marcus Mariota can be the Wally uh, veteran that can come in if the rook messes up. And I, I know you don't need to play the rookie right now because whether Marcus or Mar- or De- Desmond plays, we're not planning to win 10, 10 games and hit the playoffs, but you never know. After last season's seven game uh, 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 little win that we that we had, you never know. So it, it all depends on the mindset of these coaches. If they're firmly okay with uh, just having this be a rebuilding year and don't have any crazy wishes of making the playoffs and trying to make a run, then Ritter's going to be seen really soon. I know, obviously, a lot of this depends on, like you said, the preseason how they perform in practice, things like that. But 
in a situation like this, and and you were kind of in something similar in 2008 with Matt Ryan, you know, a rookie coming in here. And I, I know I've asked you before, like, what does a rookie have to do to win over the locker room? What does a uh, mm-hmm. kind of a journeyman quarterback have to do to win over the locker room? But which of those scenarios, if you're in the locker room, and let's say maybe you think that you have an outside chance of making something happen in the season. Would you feel better about going into a season with somebody who has done it before at this level, at least to some degree and has some experience, has played on a playoff game, has won a playoff game like Marcus Mariota? Or are you kind of coming in a training camp hoping that Desmond Ritter just knocks your socks off and you're like, fuck yeah, let's go in with the Rook. Like, let's see what he can do. This is new. It probably depends on where you are in your career. If you're late in your <laughs> career and answer. you're an old uh, vet, you're just like, I do not want to go through these damn growing pains with another, you know, fresh-faced green rookie making mm-hmm. these mistakes where you're rolling your eyes like, come on, man. You, you don't do a hard time <laughs> like that. Or come on, man. You got to call a timeout. Or come on, Delay man. Delay a game again? Yeah, you, yeah. you can't do a, a you know a two-minute drill and, and not get the ball set or bring it up. Like, these are the rookie mistakes that are going to happen because they're called rookie mistakes for a reason. It drives veterans crazy, especially the older ones, especially the ones who have, uh, you know, uh, desires to go to the playoffs, get an extra playoff check, you know, you know, God forbid, go to <laughs> yeah. the Super Bowl. You do not want to play around with a rookie quarterback. But for the younger guys, they, they you know, they're in it for the long haul. They know they're going to be there, most of them, for a couple of years. And they want to grow with somebody who's going to be, uh, you know, their guy and, and be around because Marcus could be here this year, gone next year, or a year after that. But if this rookie quarterback does well, you know, he'll, he'll be a nice little staple. So it, it kind of depends on where you are. So some of the guys then that would obviously be uh, maybe looking to grow alongside of Desmond Ritter, Kyle Pitch, Drake London, the most, uh, you know, recent first round picks on the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about the receivers and tight ends, the guys that the quarterbacks are going to be throwing the ball to. Kyle Pitts going into year two. I think tight end is one of the most complicated positions to learn in football. And I think it's a little bit underrated to that degree just because of your involvement in pretty much every facet of the offense, run game, pass game, all of the above. He said, he told me this offseason that he's really been working on the mental aspect of the game. He attended tight end university, um, really learned a lot from Dallas Clark, uh, Peyton Manning's longtime tight end in Indianapolis, which, which stuck out to me because he was a really savvy route runner and everything like that. It seems like Kyle Pitts is really intent on elevating his game even more than what we saw last year. Second tight end ever uh, as a rookie to pass 1,000 yards. What are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts and, and maybe his ceiling in year two? Can he have a breakout year to the level that A.J. Terrell did last year? Is that kind of in the cards? Or, or do you think we maybe look for something similar to what he did as a rookie? I think he's definitely going to have a breakout year uh, just because, like, he had no help. Uh, we how uh, soon we forget about the Calvin Ridley situation and, and the whole Kyle Pitts was our number one receiver because we had mm-hmm. no receivers. At, at least Drake London again. We don't know if he'll be able to, to instantly transition to the NFL and be dominant here as he was in college. But that's the hope. And with, with some of this, um, the film that I've seen of him, I, I think that he has the, all the moxie, all the attitude, all the drive, the work ethic, and. He has the tools to make it uh, transfer. And if he does, that will make Kyle Pitts' life so much easier. And just the fact that we have some more weapons uh, in the on the receiver side, I feel like 
Kyle can all he can do is get better. And I love the way that you know, follow him on social media, you see his posts, you see his workouts, you see uh, you'll hear him talk about the mental side. And he's absolutely right because I made my biggest jump um from being a close to a Pro Bowl fullback to being a Pro Bowl fullback just by being laser focused on the details and you know the, the film and, and the food and the stretching and you know the some of the exercises and dealing with, with my uh my stretch guy and all, all the, the small things is what really got me to the point where I can perform on Sundays because it doesn't matter how good you are in practice. I mean it does to a certain extent matter how good you are in practice because you practice how you play. Mm-hmm. But you have to be able to do that when the lights are the brightest. And I've known too many guys that are great practice players and then just like the mental, they, they, they clam up and they you know don't know what to do and they get a little flustered and you know they're hitting their hands on their helmet and they can't perform when they need to. I don't think Kyle had that problem last year and he definitely going to have the problem this year coming up. Man, I was about damn ready to give Eric Saubert a gold jacket in training camp one year. Uh, yep. <laughs> former former Falcons tight end who had sub- subsequently got traded to the Patriots and never really panned out. But dude made like one handed catches, toe tap in the yep. back of the end zone, yep. and, like insane stuff yep. in practice. And I was like, this guy's going to absolutely go off this year. What is happening? And <laughs> I think I was just writing about it. I was like, this is the year of Eric Saubert lookout. And, and then like in a preseason game, maybe dropped like two passes and kind of like didn't see the field much again. And I was just like, Oh God, dude, come on. So that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. And I, uh, that's the thing that I was hearing from, I think Kyle Pitts was learning that, okay, the physical side is important, but to enhance the physical side, the mental aspect of your game really needs to be on point as well. And the off season is a great time to work on that because once you hit the season, it is so you know, lather, rinse, repeat. And you're just week to week trying to survive, trying to get ready, get rested, get healed up, and then and then go again and then repeat. So this is the time to really hone your game. And I think he's doing a great job of that. We'll get to AJ Terrell when we talk defense, but I love the fact that those two guys are kind of setting the tone for, I think, this team heading into training camp. They need that. Um, but let's talk about the newest first-round pick, Drake London. The size that he brings, the catch radius. I know a lot has been made about his maybe non-breakaway ability or separation ability. There are a lot of different types of receivers that have success in the NFL. I think that somebody like Drake London can have success because he is a little more athletic than I think he's getting credit for. Um, but the team loves the catch radius and the kind of playmaking ability. What do you see in his game? I, I mentioned a little bit about, um, about Drake and, and just what you've seen on, on the college level. And, and that's all we can go but go by right now. And it looks to me something that can translate to the NFL level. I I, I heard all the naysayers and doubters. and I, I get it. That's their job to, to you know, pick apart his game. And the breakaway speed may not be that of, uh, you know, uh, some of these faster receivers. But I, I seem like a Mike Evans type of receiver who has enough breakaway speed, uh, enough uh, of that mm-hmm. uh, wingspan to where he can catch balls in uh, in traffic, help us where we need the help the most in the end zone. And you don't need breakaway speed if you're catching the ball in the, in the end zone uh, uh, every other time you <laughs> catch it. And that's where I think he's going to be you know, the most dangerous. And with Kyle Pitts on the other side, these twin towers going at the defenses, you can't just 
double, triple team somebody. You can't just focus all your attention on one guy because hopefully both will be dangerous. So I think Drake is going to be a, a huge boost to the offense and somebody that is going to be looked back at, you know, a year, two, three years from uh, his drafting as uh, a great draft pick. The Falcons, honestly, it feels like this offseason was all about the red zone for them uh, yeah. <laughs> because they obviously brought in Brian Edwards, Auden Tate. Those those two guys are both pretty big. You know, I think Brian Edwards is like six, two and a half, six, three. Auden Tate, obviously six, five. But what I love about both of those dudes and having watched them on film, they can play inside or out. And that is a big thing for this Falcons offense. Drake London can play close to the formation. Kyle Pitts can play close to the formation split out. So they're going to have a lot of size, but a lot of size that they can play pretty much anywhere. And now all I can think about is you go like trips to one side with say Brian Edwards, Auden Tate or Kyle Pitts, Auden Tate or Brian Edwards, Kyle Pitts. And then Alameda Zacchaeus is your kind of like third, the furthest inside your number three receiver and just runs a slant, runs a slant to the outside off of a, a screen essentially by two six foot five players like who's stopping that so i think the falcons red zone is going to be very intriguing but the let's say the supporting cast of wide receivers to kyle pitts and drake london who gets you really excited do you think that this can be a year for alameda's gears to maybe break out because he of anybody he is in that russell gage role i think to me where he's just progressed the first couple of years of his career, but now has a big opportunity to maybe make a name for himself. Uh, I do. Uh, I think Alameda Zacchaeus can have that uh, breakout season. And it was just amazing like, how well Russell Gage did. How much money did he get? Where, where, did, he, where did he go again? Ooh, we're going to have to get IT on that, but uh, he's yeah. in Tampa. Yeah, I, he, I think he's going to make the Pro Bowl this year. I, I'm on the record you for that. It's so good. Like, what are the... Because I, you know, again, being a fullback, blue collar guy, you know, uh, not the limelight person. I love <laughs> watching guys who put in the work, who, you know, keep their head down, keep pumping their legs, you know, fight through some of the unfairness of playing time, some of the unfairness of, you know, being able to show the world what you got. And when they do get in there, you got to shine because if you're not a big name, you got to shine when your name is called, whether it's because of injury, mm-hmm. whether it's because of necessity. If you get a chance to play in the National Football League in front of everybody, I don't care who you are. You got to take advantage of it. And Russell Gage took advantage of that. And it seemed like he just raised the level of play for, for everybody. Alameda Sakias did better. Russell Gage again. I remember uh, mm-hmm. we had all the receipts, even though we didn't expect much out of them, they were doing Average to above average, which was was impressive for people who you thought couldn't even catch footballs, even though they're NFL guys. <laughs> you had just never seen such a lackluster cast thrown on the field and expected to to win games. So I, I think Alameda watching what Russell did shows him that hey, it's possible. I don't have to be the the, uh, the biggest name. I don't have to be be the uh, strongest or the you know the flashiest guy. I can just make plays and be consistent. And uh, it was uh, our, our man, Austin Hooper. And when I first yeah, saw Austin Hooper, yes. we got him. I was like, Austin Hooper? And you're like, man, <laughs> he, he's not bad. He's not great. He's Austin Hooper. But Austin Hooper was consistent. And he played within his, within his game and was able to make uh, plays, move the sticks, get first downs. And Zacchaeus can do the same thing. So, no, I think he can definitely have a nice little season coming up. 
Austin, that's a great call, Austin Hooper. And, and really, that highlights, I think, for, for the lack of, you know, ongoing and lasting success that, that the Dan Quinn era had for Atlanta, they, I do think individual players did benefit from their focus on plan D, you know, which was their thing when I got there in 2017. It was like a 15 minute post practice period where it was individual work and all that. And I'm like, dude, doesn't every team around the league do that? Like if you guys are working all the time to get better, like this isn't anything special, but you did see players like Austin Hooper, like Russell Gage. Um, You know, I think Bleedy Ray Wilson is is a player who like consistently just over the four years or five years of being there, improved significantly and that is a question that we will have and has yet to be seen from this staff how do players look from year one to year two year two to year three you know what kind of growth does this team get because i think they've done a really good job of hitting their draft picks and getting you know the free agents who maybe come in and pop like cordero patterson and, and this is my segue into the running back situation they've been able to get production from guys that maybe have not previously done production, but can they then get more production the next year? Can they get more production with more time in the building working with these guys? That's something that I'm going to be really curious to follow in year two is just what is that? How, how good is this staff at building and growing a player's skill set? Um, so the running back position really crowded, really, yeah. really, really, big room so far. I think that means we're not going to see very much at all of Cordero Patterson uh, in the preseason. How, uh, how does that sit with you? Cause I, I have to imagine that you're like, give that man all the rest he needs. Absolutely. He was the <laughs> savior of the season, not a game of the season last year. If, if he wasn't a surprise ringer for the Falcons, the seven games we won would not have been one. I, I still see, the New Orleans Saints uh, uh, game where mm-hmm. we had it. I think we had a lead and we just lost it at the end. And we had like no time. Next to no time left. Matt threw such an amazing ball, perfectly thrown, dropped right in the bucket. And Corderell was acting like a receiver and mm-hmm. was just in stride, caught the ball, went down the field. I was going crazy. I thought it was a Super Bowl. Yeah, I was there high <laughs> five myself and jumping up. Cordero Passion needs to relax. He has earned the rights as the guy, receiver, running back, whatever you want to call him, the guy for big plays in Atlanta, him and, and Kyle Pitts. So we just got to figure out which one of these other running backs is going to step up and be that workhorse. It seems like Cordero Patterson will probably have a little bit more of that role that you were just talking about, used more as maybe a receiver, which he was frequently last season. but. The draft pick of Tyler Algier seems like it was intentional to take some of the running back load off of Patterson's shoulders. And he is the type of player. He he reminds me a little bit of like a James Conner uh, from from Pittsburgh. Yeah, like that. yeah, like an early kind of that that type of player where he can handle the big workload. He's got a little bit of burst. He's got a little bit of of everything if he's maybe not elite at at any one thing. But that's kind of what the Falcons need. They need an innings eater at running back to then allow some of the playmakers around to get less attention, to maybe have some flexibility to do some different things. Talk to me about Tyler Algier and then, uh, you know, Damian Williams, uh, Quadri Allison is this 
seems like maybe the last chance for Quadri Allison, who has never turned into the player we all thought he would be. What what about the depth at the position? Well, I think that, you know, we have a good chance of actually having depth this year because a lot of those guys didn't get a chance to develop because Cordero Patterson was needed. We we needed him <laughs> to make plays, touch the ball. Shit, do something, Cordero. Here's the ball. Go, just go. Do something. <laughs> and now that we have Tyler Algiers and, you know, come from BYU and having back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, that that's impressive mm-hmm. as a, a guy who can – carry the load and be more than a one, two uh, uh, down back. And he can be in there all three downs. Like he, he can uh, block. He can catch the ball. He can, can uh, take a beating in the run game. And so I really think that Tyler Algiers is somebody who will be, you know, the man. Like the, the rest of the guys you named, I think uh, Damian, Kadri uh, Olsen, they're all great players. But And we'll see in preseason, of course, because I can just be talking oh, yeah. outside of my mouth. But uh, I think Tyler's going to kind of, rise to the top and be the the, the backup choice uh, next quarter L. Is running back the number one position to watch in the preseason? Just just by and large, not not even this team specifically, after, but I'm like, I yeah, feel like after, that's the, the position. Yeah. yeah, after quarterback, uh, you want to see if, uh, you know, 30 year old Damian Williams uh, is going to be <laughs> able to uh, use that that veteran uh, Wiley uh, experience <laughs> to still show that he can do some uh, some good stuff uh, with the ball in his hands, but uh, Caleb Huntley, Kadri Allison's they're 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 fighting for relevancy, you know, because because they've mm-hmm. been around for a while. But you have to have that breakout play, that that breakout series of play, that breakout games. We're like, oh gosh, I, I love Algiers, and you know, I, I love uh, <laughs> yeah. Patterson, but you know, Caleb Huntley. Oh my God, did you see what he did? Did you mm-hmm. see how he hit that guy? Did you see how he took off? Did you see? You, you you have to have a moment. It's like uh, almost like the Heisman, a mini Heisman moment. In you want to get that hard that hard knock segment when they're talking about go. the third preseason game, and then they've got that the music kicks in, and it's like oh, Caleb Caleb Huntley. Love hard knock. Yeah, love hard it's knock. like just you get that big sixty-two yard touchdown run, and they cut to the sideline, and it's like there you go, Caleb. Like you I, want I, that I, moment. The hairs stand up at the, the back of my neck when. I see that moment happening. Exactly what you said. It's when the veterans are saying, yo, who, who's the, even if you're like a second year player, even if you're not a rookie, second <laughs> yeah. third year player, but people who come out of their skin or their shells and just show out. And I love that because it, it's, you're watching the making of, of, of greatness, like in, in real time and seeing it unfold. And the ones who are able to stay focused and to not blink, not flinch, when they're going through that are the ones who can consistently perform at that high level. Cause that's what all the, the stars do. It's just about consistency and performing at a high level all the time. Expecting like for me, I would have a, uh, you know, uh perfect Fridays and I, the perfect Thursdays. Like <laughs> I was obsessive about making every block, every step, every block, every hand placement, every, you know, uh, um, um, uh, decision I had to make when it came to pass protection, I just wanted to make sure I did my job and it, it paid off because, you know, coach, Bay, Obi, it's all right. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I missed one. Like you only missed one all week. <laughs> like, yeah. That's one time Matt could have got, you know, his, his head taken off and a fumble at the third. So when you see those guys uh, who have that hard knocks moment, uh, whether the cameras are there or not, it, it, it's something that you, 
get you excited because we all were there at one point. All the, the starters, we were there at one point. We had to prove ourselves and show everyone that, hey, we belong here. So we'll see. The running back, um, I think, uh, uh, meeting room or the running back uh, room is going to be a nice little competitive uh, area for the Falcons. I didn't realize that the the Falcons used to have uh, Bill Belichick playing fullback for him. I mean, that's that's crazy. <laughs> the attention to detail. Do your job over here. Hey, man, <laughs> you got to. There's, just, there's such a small difference between good and great and like, you know, greatest of all time or Pro Bowl. And it it is the little things that you have to find ways to do to to out um, to, to beat the competition. The little things would be a good podcast name, um, but I, I I don't know if there's a player who would benefit from more consistency more than Jalen Mayfield and the yeah. offensive line as a whole. A lot has been invested into that offensive line recently. I I don't think it's as dire as maybe some others do. I do think that the second year guys, the third year guys in Matt Hennessy can get better. I think that last year will pay dividends for them, but you've got Jake Matthews, former pro bowler, you know, at left tackle, he's been consistent, you know, all, all throughout his career. Chris Lindstrom looks like a rising star at, at right guard, but those are the two that really you, I think can count on Kayla McGarry coming into a huge year. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. And then you've got competition at center and you've got a question mark at left guard and Jalen Mayfield, but it seems like the staff is willing to give him maybe one more year to, to go at it. I know as a fullback, you've got thoughts on the offensive line because I've been going back and rewatching some, some former Falcons games, some of which have featured you many times. You're picking up maybe a man that wasn't necessarily your assignment, but he came through anyway. So talk to me about the offensive line and uh, your oh. feelings on this group going into 2022. It's just I feel bad for Arthur Blank. I feel bad for uh, Arthur <laughs> Smith that he didn't inherit all that stuff. But I don't, you I don't know if that's so ever been said. Picks. I mean, yeah, I feel I do feel bad for uh, Mister Billionaire Arthur Blank. I, I'm sure he's okay. <laughs> it made me feeling bad for him. But watching your hundred million dollar quarterback, hundred million plus dollar quarterback, being the most sacked quarterback, you know, or one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL year after year after year. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? I- I'm drafting offensive linemen in the first round, second round, year after year. Like I'm, I'm saying, I'll get to defense eventually. I'll get a, a running back eventually. I'm going offensive line. I got to protect Matt Ryan. And it has not been working because he's still getting his head knocked off. He's still running for his life. I think uh, Pro Football Focus in June had us as the 28th uh, best offensive line uh, I guess we have the worst office line uh, in, in the NFL. So we're, <laughs> we're like, you know, about two, four spots behind uh, from being the worst. And mm-hmm. that's with all of our first round draft picks. So it doesn't look or feel good as a Falcons fan. We look at our offensive line and we're, we're getting better and we're not the worst, but you still don't feel like you have a dominant uh, uh, just nasty uh, crew when on paper, sometimes they look like that with all the, the high picks and uh, mm-hmm. with how they're, you know, dis- discussed when they were coming into that position, they look like they could be great. But when again, back to when the light shines, when it matters the most, they just aren't consistently keeping the quarterback clean. And even though Cordell Patterson made them look uh, really good sometimes, and they did look good sometimes when they were, 
running over guys, being a little bit nasty. We had a couple games where we, we had some high numbers in the run game. I, I still need more from this group. And I, I take it personally when the quarterback who turns his back to a 300-pound defender and trust us, I, I say us, because uh, we're a baby offensive lineman, trust us to <laughs> take care of him. And time and time again, not only do we not do it, but it's the lackadaisical attitude that I saw several times in the season where yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, one, maybe one guy would come pick him up. And they'd be like three-second pause where they just look around and be like, Oh man, no, you pick your quarterback up immediately. <laughs> yeah, you have to, you know, get a flag thrown at you sometimes, uh, especially if you're losing, just to show some fight. If guys are mushing your quarterback's head in the ground, or they're taking too long to get off them. I just didn't see, and I, I hate being this guy. I never said I would be this guy. Back in my day, when I was with Harvey Dahl and Tyson Claybo, Tyson Claybo and yeah. Moore, I was literally about Baker, to name those. We yeah. were a nasty bunch of mother lovers that people didn't want to see. And you didn't touch Matt on your life because your knees would be gone. You get a, a hand to the throat. You know, we would we would tussle and but we would get at you after you. And I don't see that fight in, in, in this group consistently. They have flashes of it. But what made us great is that was who we are. We didn't have flashes of that. So this offensive line group, I hope they go on a retreat or something, uh, 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 you know, do a kumbaya or you know, muster up all the hate they have towards everybody else <laughs> and, and put that on display for the NFL to see when it comes game time because I, I think that it would make Mariota Desmond Ritter's job a lot easier if our offensive line can play as good as they actually are. We are in the uh, the middle of, and this is a little bit of a preview for what is to come on this podcast, but a Falcons flashback episode of the 2004 divisional round uh, playoff game against the St. Louis Rams. I believe you were in Baltimore at this time, but run lanes left and right. Warwick Dunn, at one point, the uh, I, Warwick Dunn had, I, or the Falcons had about 200 yards rushing with five minutes to go in the second quarter. In, in a playoff wow. game against wow. the Rams. So you okay. want to talk about some good running football. Uh, that is a game to go back and watch. And that is a little bit of a plug for what will be coming soon on this podcast. But I absolutely think that the change at quarterback and which will probably lead to a little bit of a change in, in the offensive play calling could benefit this offensive line. Having a more mobile yeah. player back there, just able to do a little bit more things creatively with the run game should put defenses on their heels a little bit. So that probably should help. But the offensive line battles are, I think, the most important and biggest outside of the quarterback position for this team in training camp. So that is something that you and I will be following very closely in the coming weeks and months. But it also makes me think similarly about the secondary and maybe where the secondary was a couple of seasons ago when you had guys like Kendall Sheffield in here, you had Jordan Miller, like, but it was not solidified really at any one spot. Now you have AJ Terrell breakout. So you feel good about that. He reminds me a little bit of like Chris Lindstrom, you know, and then adding Casey Hayward, a veteran, like that's, that's your Jake Matthews, but they don't have an Eric Harris. They don't have a Richie Grant. They don't have a Jalen. It's the other pieces around it to build up the rest of the, the strength of the group. That's where the Falcons, yeah. I think, are a, a couple of maybe an offseason away. And it would not shock me at all to see them spend money in free agency now that they're going to have it in bringing yep. in whatever piece that they need. 
So let's talk about the secondary since, you know, I just brought them up. AJ Terrell, huge breakout season. I freaking love Casey Hayward. That is not, uh, you know, new to this podcast. I've been saying it all summer. It's the summer of the secondary, Ovi. It's the summer of the secondary. So is this the... Is this the biggest, is this the best position group on the roster, in your opinion? Because AJ Terrell may be, may be the best player on the team overall. And Casey Hayward, oh. Sam Good. And then the, the safeties, I'm very bullish on the safeties this year. Yeah, I think um, AJ Terrell, I think the whole world, the whole NFL has seen how good he is. And the media has seen how good AJ Terrell is. And it warms any Falcons fan who's been on the agent Terrell train for years now to watch him get his flowers or watch him get his roses, watch people actually, you know, in all these national poll, like the same ones that say that we're the least talented team in the NFL are the, <laughs> are the ones that say agent Terrell is one of the best quarterback cornerbacks in the NFL. And that's not like one or one or two publications, like all of them say it. So it's, it's consensus that we've got a star back there. And that's exciting because we obviously know that we're, we haven't been getting to the quarterback like, like we want to. So having a lockdown, shutdown corner that can make the plays he has, have the anticipation he has, be able to uh, you know give us an interception and run that thing back. But most of all, bring that swagger and that confidence and that you know just that you mentioned that bullish behavior to where like <laughs> uh, you know it, it's it's that attitude that puts offenses on edge. Because I've been there before uh, on offensive teams where the defense walks out and they just like, ooh, yeah, you got to strap up a little tight. These guys ain't yeah. playing today. Or these guys are coming with it. These guys would, you know, not only talk big, but they back it up too. And you know what you're going to be in for a battle. And uh, I think that's something that, that AJ Terrell has been a great leader on, even though he doesn't have to be, you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper and be the most vocal, but he is vocal enough to where <laughs> his teammates know that he's not only playing well, but he expects everybody else to play well with them. And then that's exciting for the Falcons. And and that's why I think the Casey Award thing is is so interesting to me because that's not a player that AJ Terrell needs to bring up. You know, it's not a young guy. The Falcons have always really been pairing guys of similar ages at corner for a while. You think of Desmond Trufant, Robert Alford being brought in together. The years when they yeah. had, you know, a veteran like Dante Robinson and then they bring in Asante Samuel. They got two older guys there, you know, like they've they've paired like ages. But you've got Casey Hayward, who's, you know, almost a 10 year veteran at this point, And A.J. Terrell going in his third season. It's like A.J. doesn't have to worry about Casey knowing his stuff. Casey doesn't have to worry about A.J. knowing his stuff. They can just kind of go out there Perfect. and ball, which is why my X factor for the entire team is Isaiah Oliver, because I think how does he fare? as that third cornerback in a time when the league is essentially 70% nickel out there on the field, like he is a starter for all intents and purposes and how he handles probably what is going to be a big volume load. Because I I think if quarterbacks and offensive coordinators are looking at how do we attack this defense, I start kind of with him or with the linebackers. So we'll get to the linebackers in one second, but I don't know if we've talked a lot about Isaiah Oliver off this offseason. What are your thoughts on him as a player? Uh, I liked him last year. You you liked him last year as well. And mm-hmm. I, I think that now that he's seen uh, one of his uh, peers in uh, AJ Terrell just blow up. And now that they have that more veteran leadership is coming into the locker room. I, I think, you know, when, when 
a couple of the guys in your room start playing better, it makes you want to play better. I, I just know that that's how I've seen it when the running back meeting room, when Michael Turner would start going off, you know, Jarius <laughs> Norwood or Jason Snell would start talking trash. Like, hey, man, when I get in there, I'm going to show you my stuff. And it would be fun and to they see would. Jarius go do his thing. It'd be fun to see Jason Snell and go get his. And we would all, we come back to the huddle, be high five each other like, hey, man, I see you. I'm going to one-up you. I see you on one-up you. And there's no way Isaiah Oliver can be in that environment and not have aspirations to raise his level of play. And so I feel like being that people might pick on him as the, the weaker link, um, even though I think that he, he can hold his own, mm-hmm. he'll have a, a great opportunity to show you know why he belongs and to show why he can be a, a great player in the system because people ain't going after AJ. They're not going after the vet. They're going to go after somebody who they think uh, will, will give a little bit. And uh, I don't think he's going to give as much as people think he will. Yeah, I, I I think if we were ranking a list of like potential payday players in the NFL, you know, contract year guys and who is in line for setting themselves up for the biggest possible payday with a great year. Isaiah Oliver's probably pretty high on that list. And another guy who could be pretty high on that list is Rashawn Evans, um, a former first round pick who the Falcons brought over from Tennessee at linebacker. His best year came with Dean Pease as a member of the Titans. Uh, and he is kind of an ex factor for me at the linebacker position because we still don't know really what's going to go on with Deion Jones. Troy Anderson is is looks promising and is exciting, but he's a rookie. Lorenzo Carter is I kind of put in the same category as Rashawn Evans because the potential's there, but he hasn't had the breakout season. But of all of the positions maybe on the roster, linebacker seems like it's just the most up in the air. Like anything could happen at all because there's a big mix of guys and outside of Deion Jones, not a lot of familiar faces. And we frankly don't know what to expect from Deion Jones. So what do you think about a position that is this up in the air after really being one of the most solidified, I think, position groups over the Dan Quinn era with Devondre Campbell, with Foye Lewican, with Deion Jones, you really didn't have anybody Outside of maybe Duke Riley for one and a half seasons, but that ended pretty quickly. <laughs> Duke like, Riley. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so this is the first time in a while that we're going into a year without any real clue about what the linebacker position could look like. Is this one of the most exciting training camp spots to watch, or is this one of the most depressing for you? I mean, I, I hate linebackers. They're my mortal enemies, uh, <laughs> even with my team. I, They're I, your Darth Maul. I, yeah. I, yeah, I just uh, fullbacks and linebackers, they just like we're just two opposites of a coin. Oil and water. But but no, I, I appreciate uh, what they do and, and who they are. And I, and I played linebacker in high school. It's a, it's a hard position. But um, the Falcons at linebackers, even Deion Jones uh, dropped off from who he used to be at, yeah. at Deion yep. Jones' height. So Foye Lucon was our superstar who got plucked away um, uh, this year. And we don't have, as you mentioned, a solid core of, you know, people we can count on in the linebacking linebacker room. And that's why it's going to be, you know, much like the quarterbacks and the running backs. Very interesting this offseason, preseason and definitely regular season because preseason doesn't matter. Uh, What matters is what you do to help us win games. And these linebackers, we're going to see if they can they can run, if they can hit, if they can be 
fast and physical, <laughs> if they can actually give us that nasty defense that we've all been praying for. And we mentioned that our DBs are um, a strength, I think, of our defense. We still don't know. Uh, we're hoping that we can get a pass rush finally this season. We'll get to that. But with our linebackers, I, I just want Deion Jones to, to be the Deion Jones of old. I think Rashawn Evans is, is, is a vet who um, – knows the coaching staff and hopefully can can bring some stability with him because we don't need you to all all the linebackers to be Ray Lewis, but we do need you guys to, you know, be consistently above average and to, uh, you know, stay, stay in your gaps and to not break contain and these huge chunks that our defense let uh, happen in the past. It can't happen. You have to get off the field. It seemed like our offense would go three out. Our defense would stay on the field all day long. <laughs> 12 play drives. Yeah, offense just left yeah, and right. Offense get three out. Defense be on the field all day long. I, I can see why they're tired. Again, the offense wasn't helping them out as much as we should have, but all, all sides of our team was not working, and our, our linebackers weren't making the big plays that we wanted them to. So this, it's going to be a very interesting season, especially with uh, – um, uh, the linebacker we got that I didn't want to get that we chose over our UGA linebacker. Uh, yeah, Troy Anderson, Troy. which which yeah, is Troy Anderson. That's a bad take by you, Ovi. I, I am excited to see him. I mean, we'll we'll see. I I know supposedly UGA our, our UGA guy uh, was uh, injured, but still, in three years, watch where Troy is. Watch where he is. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, I I just I, I like picking talent. I, I like finding. <laughs> I know we you wanted Nicobe Dean. Look, at, look at the roster. We don't have talent. We have a chance to get like I know it doesn't. You don't always get what you look, but sometimes the easy answer is the right answer. I tell my wife us all the time. Sometimes the easy answer is the right answer. You don't try to be like Dimitrov said this all the time. He try to like you know draw calculus signs and you know and say if his mother's sister's aunt was a great athlete, then he must be a great athlete. Or I looked at a game film when he was five <laughs> years old and he did great. No, just pick the great guy, pick the top guy, and let's roll with him. Troy is not almost on anybody's list, obviously on the Falcons list, but not on many people's list as this is the stereotypical badass linebacker that we're going to build with that's going to help us win Super Bowls. No one's picking Troy for that. Like he's a, a nice, you know, third string special teams guy, but Jesus we had a chance to pick somebody who could actually give you what you wanted. You're like, nah, I'll go with Troy. I, I could be wrong. I'll, I'll meet Troy in person. He'll be like, when, I heard your podcast, Ovi. But yeah. I mean, I don't see it. So prove me wrong because right when, now I don't when see he, it. When he wins Defensive Rookie of the Year, I will yeah. have him come sit in this chair yeah. and do an entire <laughs> podcast with you and just he can gloat Please. the entire time. So I hope let's, so. Let's hope it happens. I, I really, I, I'm bullish. I, I think that he's, I, I, I'm really excited to, to kind of just at least see what he can be in the NFL because I think he brings a lot to the table. But to your point, sometimes you can be a little bit of he can do a, a little bit of everything, but he's not the master of none. You know, he, he's he's a little bit of a jack of all trades, not the master. of Whereas N'Kobe Dean, you know, you you've seen players like him translate to the NFL, whereas if Troy Anderson's a little bit more Isaiah Simmons ish. Yeah. Like like this big long rangy again, Devondre Campbell, Isaiah Simmons. That's who I think he comps a little bit more to. Those guys have kind of struggled a little bit. You know, coaches have not figured out ways to use them as effectively as these small heat seeking missiles like a Roquan Smith or a Deion Jones back in the day or a, you know a 
Devin White in Tampa, like that type of player. So I, I get where you're coming from, but this is going to be fun. You and I can kind of track this throughout the yep. season and we'll have a, a weekly Troy, a Troy, yeah, a Troy tracker. Um, I love it. <laughs> so let's uh, let's end quickly on the defensive line. Not much has changed, I think, there. The the pass rush, you know, Marlon Davidson, big year that that he needs to have. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy. Eddie Goldman, the nose tackle that the, the Falcons added to kind of compete with Anthony Rush, but no real overhauls. And that's not surprising given that it's a little bit more of a three, four, like less defensive lineman on the field overall. But should we feel any different about this defensive line going into the season than we have? frankly, for the past couple of years. I, I mean, Marlon Davidson kind of seems like the one guy to maybe have some high hopes for here. It, it seems like the bleakest of the position groups maybe on this roster. Uh, I thought you were excited about a rookie pass rusher. Uh, uh, oh, like, Arnold Katie, but, but again, Debbie yeah, Katie, I, don't, yeah. I don't. And that's a great call because I don't know if he is a linebacker or uh, or a defensive lineman in this scenario oh, okay. is he a, is he a three four but he, we should have mentioned him maybe then with the linebackers and that's where frankly and if you guys will excuse me just the transition from a four three to a three four we're all learning here as well you know sometimes these guys get lost in the shuffle because i'm used to you got four defensive linemen three linebackers and and now a guy like arnold Katie gets lost in the shuffle but no i'm i am bullish on him i think i think he's going to be mixed in a little bit more slowly as a rookie, if I had to guess, I don't know if he's going to get the Richie Grant treatment necessarily, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he is a big part of a rotation, but maybe one of the guys who was rotated out a little bit more early on to say. So I'm bullish on him, but what, what do you think about Arnold Evacati? Uh, I, I like him. Um, I, I wish, um, you know, we had another defensive end pick that was a little bit higher. Uh, I, I thought that that was a bigger need than, than Drake, but you know, we can go over that a thousand times regarding <laughs> best player available versus biggest need. But uh, I think that with what we had in that pick, uh, Epicady was, was the right one. You know, everyone loves his college film and thinks that, you know, mm-hmm. he is a great uh, length and uh, yep. he plays well with his hands and he's quick and get around the yeah. edge. And, I think it's just really uh, well-rounded. Yeah, and so I, I just want him to do what is necessary to play in the league, which is to bulk up, get stronger. Uh, you know, you don't have to get much faster, but just to get stronger because that frame. It, it, it's I used to love guys like him. I used to love guys like him. Be like, I was oh, just about to ask. Great, yeah. great that. I'm like, all right, good. Come on, come with it. Because I would know that I would. He can make all the moves. I would just stay still because I'm going to be stronger than him nine times out of 10 so I can, he yep. can do all the moves he wants to flail his arms. I keep my little <laughs> T-Rex arms inside and just, just hit him wherever he goes. Keep You're Indiana Jones beat. and he is yeah. the dude with the, the sword, just yep. whipping it all around and you just shoot him That's at the end. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I'm just like, bam, you're done. So <laughs> guys who were like him with the skills, but then bulked up and I was an extreme uh, comparison, but like I remember, like it was yesterday, Michael Strahan coming off the edge and just being so amazed at how fast he was because I just had my feet dug in. I was leaning forward, ready for the blow, but I forgot that he had moves too. And he was so graceful and so big and, and moving so fast. I had no chance. I, I, I think I, 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 I held 
Like five times I was blocking him. They only called me for like once. But I held him every single time. Every single time. He's like, hey, man, I'm holding like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Strahan. What do you want me to do? But um, I, I, Epicady, like he, he's going to get caught up. As soon as he's bigger tackles, as soon as he's bigger fullbacks, he's going to get swallowed up because he's not as powerful as he could be yet. So, I mean, it comes with time. You're a rookie in the NFL. I'm not expecting you to be at your peak uh, physically. Hopefully he takes the or has taken the offseason seriously and has gotten the weight room so he can put out his best foot forward. I Yeah, and I, I think that he, you know, a successful season in my eyes for him, six sacks, like that's six, eight sacks. That's a good, solid base for a rookie player. Um, and oh, yeah. if that if that comes along kind of towards the end of the year, we're going to feel really good about him. I, I I'm hoping that Grady, because we're starting to get to the point where the prime window is is going to slowly start creeping closed for Grady. And we're going to be getting into those Jonathan Babineau years where he's still a good mm-hmm. player, but it's the last four or five years of his career. It's like, oh, uh, there's a Grady Jarrett sack. We I love seeing that because now they're becoming a little less frequent. I just hope yeah. he's able to kind of put together one more vintage, like great Grady Jarrett year and gets the help around him to do so. And I'm curious to see how they use him. He's obviously not a nose tackle. He's, but I don't know if he's, is he a five technique? Like how do they use him in this kind of multiple front situation? Uh, where is he most effective? How can they let him loose? But yeah, there's, there's not a ton uh, of, of intrigue or mystery to me on this defensive line, because I think a lot of it of this defense is going to really have to do with the back seven, you know, the linebackers, the secondary and how they get manipulated, the pressure they're able to bring um, Dean Pease mentioned to uh to the Orlando Ledbetter in a quote that they hope to unlock 100% of their defense after only using 60% last year. Yeah, I have to believe that. that yeah, I have to believe that has a lot to do with the secondary and the linebackers and just having maybe the right guys in place now to do some of the things that they wanted to instead of this really heavy cover 3 cover 1 designed defense with with the personnel that they had in there and and Dan Quinn obviously before that. So yeah, the defense is very intriguing but as you and I just kind of laid out. I, I don't know if this is a championship or bust season for, for the Falcons, but no. let's just, let's just hope I'll it's fun. Uh, let's just, let's hope it's fun. Um, do you have yeah. any other, and we're, we're not mentioning special teams here because forgive us, you know, just uh, if you, if you really want a special teams lowdown, feel free to shoot us an email at believe in Falcons at gmail.com. <laughs> um, and then we'll do a, do a whole episode for that one person that emails, but <laughs> Any other big picture thoughts on the Falcons before we get out of here? No, uh, I, I really feel like this. Like I, I feel like I said every year. I haven't been this excited for a season in a while. Not excited <laughs> because you know I expect us to go Super Bowl, but excited because football is is a male soap opera. It's our male yeah. reality yeah. TV show. We, we we love it, and it's there's a bachelor so many for guys now that I feel like we have so much water cooler talk. To, to to go over from the position groups and the linebackers, the offensive linemen, the quarterbacks. And so I just want to figure out who's going to step up. Yep, that's exactly what I was telling uh, my lovely wife, Hallie, before this pod. I was like, I'm just so excited to record this podcast because it feels like we were back. You know, it feels like yeah. summer is, is, is nearly over. The fall's about to begin. Doesn't feel like it outside, but... Training yep. camp is is really right upon us. You know, we it's next week and and we will be back into the thick of it, hot and heavy. 
Um, and yeah, just all the storylines that we've been talking about for three or four or five or six months at this point, we get to see them start to change uh, to some degree. And, and I really, I mean, just think about la- this time last year, we had no idea what we were going to get in AJ Terrell. We had no idea yep. what to expect from Kyle Pitts. We didn't know it'd be Matt Ryan's last season. We didn't know about Calvin Ridley. We didn't know about like Russell get like oh. all of these things are changing and yep. it's going to be really exciting over the next six months. Uh, so uh, I'm very uh, excited for the return. I'm really excited to start doing this more consistently with you again um, and, and kind of talking weekly about the evolution of this team, getting your thoughts as a former player. Um, so all of that will be coming on this show. Uh, please stay tuned for that. As always, today's episode was presented by Bet Online. We will be back um, again with another Falcons flashback episode, that 2004 divisional round game for the uh, St. Louis Rams and the Atlanta Falcons. It was an ass whooping. I was there in person. Um, so check that out on YouTube before we, uh, we drop that podcast. Um, and as always, everybody, please take care and we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.